Um, we are going to have our reading, and it, usually in my order of service, it tells me who's going to do the reading, and it has MM, which is my initials, and I, so I don't know who's, anyone fancy, feels anointed, feels cold? Who, sorry? Oh, excellent, there's someone there. So it, if you turn your Bibles on, we're looking at Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, there you go. So as Mark just said, Luke 10, 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord said, You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Excellent, thank you. Leave your Bibles open, thank you, and uh, we'll have a little dive in that in a second. Um, Over the past couple of weeks, we've been doing a a new series, a series called, called Jesus Steps In. Uh, because if you read through the Gospels, you find that there's lots of different occasions and situations in people's lives where, where Jesus steps in and changes things or transforms things or brings a, a, a new dimension that, that just makes people see things differently. And we've been unpacking that because Jesus didn't just do it then. He also does it today and wants to do that. He wants to step into our lives and our situations and and make a change in there. Uh, Two weeks ago, we looked at the area of healing, because if you check out Jesus' life, he healed so many people, and we explored what does that mean, what does that look like, and does he still want to step into lives today? And the truth is, yes, he does. And we gave an opportunity for us to, to position ourselves to say, Jesus, will you step in and bring healing? And many people were prayed for, which was a great opportunity. Uh, last Sunday, we looked at, at another area where Jesus stepped in, in the area of prayer. The, the, the disciples, they, they saw a connection between Jesus and his prayer life and the incredible things that happened around his life. And so they asked Jesus, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? And Jesus didn't just teach them a set prayer that we all know. He actually wanted them to see an insight in how he prays. Because if we learn to pray as Jesus has prayed, then we will see around our lives things that Jesus saw around his life. We, we saw that just start in the right place. Don't just use set words. It's start at the beginning in that relationship of who God calls us to be in him. It's to pray with shameless audacity. Do you remember the challenge last week? Did anyone take up that challenge of, of say, one area that you are just going to pray with shameless audacity again and again and say, God, will you step in? Did anyone take that challenge up? Did anyone see God stepping in? No. Okay. So, well, obviously it doesn't work then, does it? See, this is one thing, is, is continue with shameless audacity, to keep praying. Because I think what often happens is we pray for something, and then we get distracted and we move on. Or we actually say, well, I prayed for three times, and God clearly says no, so I'm going to stop. But the whole thing that Jesus said is, is don't just pray once, but keep coming to the Father again and again and again. Not to try to bend him to your will, but to open us up to his will. And I want to encourage you, those people who've been praying, because I know several people found that as a challenge and saying, I just have given up praying for that area, praying up, praying for that person, praying for that situation. 
I've been praying for someone. It was actually a minister's friend of mine, and he's, his church is just facing some real big challenges. And I said, I'm going to commit to pray for you every day for, your, for, for peace, God's presence, and God's power. And, and I, I haven't seen this lightning from him, but every, every day I'm praying for him, and he's going, nope, I'm still hanging in there. So I'm going, well, that's a good answer, isn't it? No, okay. Uh, um, I think it's a good answer. I want to see more. I don't know how it can be fixed. I'm not giving God the answer. God, this is the answer for it. It's about saying, Jesus, I want you to step in. And prayer is that doorway. So we're going to just keep praying. And I want to encourage you. Don't just go to the set prayer. Is be open for that. And say, God, will you move? Will you move in that situation? Will you move in my workplace? Because that's how Jesus prayed. And when we pray like Jesus prayed, we'll start seeing around our lives the things that Jesus saw around his life. This morning I want us to, so keep praying, okay? Keep doing that. This morning I want to look at another area. I want to look at the area of worship. Now, now worship is one of these interesting things because when we worship, something seems to happen. It's, worship seems to unlock things. Uh, a week or so ago, I was speaking at Tim's induction at, in his church up north at, as he started as a minister. And, and at the end of the service, different people were coming up and sharing you know, their greetings from this church or greetings from this area. And the Lord Mayor, who wasn't a, a Christian, he said, he said I, I don't know how to put it. There just feels to be like a tingling feeling around this place. And he sensed in our worship that there was something happening in our worship. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever experienced that in worship as well. As, as a song plays or something happens, as you just sense there's, there's something, a tingling or just emotions of, of there's, there's something more happening. There's, there's been so many people who have come to church and, and, and they'll say for the first time when they come into a worship experience, is, is they'll, go, they'll, they'll get quite teary. And it's quite, can I say this, it's quite funny when, when blokes do it, because blokes, you know, I'm quite strong, and, and they're go, I'm just crying, and I don't know why. And I think what happens is in worship, it unlocks something in us, that you're loved, that this is a safe place, you don't have to wear a mask, that you, that you have hope, that there's something more. What happens is we're glimpsing some of God, because that's what worship does. It is worship, it unlocks us to be able to see more of God, but actually more than that. In 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says that when we worship, what we're doing is we are opening ourselves up to the presence of God, and in the presence of God, we are transformed. Is as we worship, the presence of God comes and actually changes us. It impacts us. It changes our thinking, our feelings, and all those things. So it's not surprising that in worship, something happens. So why this reading? Why this reading of Martha and Mary? Because those of you who are very eagle-eyed, you'll realize that the word worship is not mentioned in that reading. And neither there's no singing going on there at all. Did anyone notice that? So, so why is that about worship? Well, I think it teaches something really, some things really, sorry, it teaches us some really important things about worship. And I'll, I'll unpack that in a second. But let me just remind you of the scene. Martha and Mary are busy pottering around in their house. Anyone potter? Any potterers here? Because you just potter around your house. I don't know what that means, making a vase. I don't know what it is. But they were around their house, and they, they look out, and they see 13 burly chaps, Jesus' disciples. They're coming to their house, and, and they're looking hungry, and they want some hospitality, and they're heading for Martha and Mary's house. Okay, Imagine if that was you. 13 birdie hungry fellas come into your house. How many would pull the curtains and act like you're not in? Okay. How many of you would go, oh, it's great to see you, and not mean it at all? 
Some of you at that because you're polite, but not really in your heart, not polite. And um, how many of you actually go, great to see you, we'll work it out? Any, any of you feel that? Anyone like that? If that is you, please join our hospitality team, okay? Because that is clearly a gifting. Well, well, Martha and Mary, they open their house, and hospitality is about welcoming strangers, or they would have had some connections, but said, come on in, come and be part, come and, and find rest in us place. And Martha and Mary, they, they get in preparation, and, and Martha goes into full catering mode and gets this all going, and then halfway through, she suddenly realizes, I'm doing all this work by myself. And she looks in the front room and sees Mary sat at Jesus' feet, and, and Martha sort of loses it a little bit. Now, who can relate to Martha? You're working really, really hard. You find you are the only one. How many would lose it a little bit? And, and you, you probably don't want you. So she went, Jesus, will you tell her to get off her butt and serve? That, that, that's the Greek. Um, get off and help me. And Jesus then replies in a way that is a little bit confusing. Because he says, no, Mary has chosen the right thing. Now, why it's a little bit confusing? Because many of us, we have a sympathy for Martha, don't we? Don't we? Yeah, some of, I think we do. And yet Jesus clearly backed Mary, and Jesus is always right, so you can't argue with Jesus, and then we're going, oh, i got a dilemma here. And so let me tell you what this is not about. This is not about Jesus telling off activists and raising reflectives, okay? It's not Martha the activist is running around, and Jesus goes, it's bad to be an active person. It's right to be a reflective. Okay, this is not what's happening. It's about worship, though, because worship is about giving worth to Jesus. I'm sure if you prodded Martha, she would say, I am giving worth. I'm doing a five-course meal. And yet Mary was sat there going, hmm. So, so why did Jesus commend the hmm and, and not the, the activist? Now, this, this was not about activist versus reflective. Because there's a, there's a Hebrew word um, called, called um, What's it called? Avada. Okay, can you say avada? Can you say it to me? Avada? Okay, avada is a word that's found in Genesis and Judges, found in several places in the Old Testament. And avada means it's about work and worship and service. It's a combination of all those three. It's a, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Maybe someone will know that verse. It's actually, we will avada the Lord. We will work, we will serve, we will worship the Lord. It's a combination of all those three, which is quite an activist word, isn't it? In Romans 12, it talks about you, you should be a living, your whole life should be a living sacrifice as your spiritual act of worship. So all that we do, so whether you're, you're helping uh, um, families in need in our community, or you're a teacher, or you're a police person, or you're working in the health industry, wherever you are, is your worship can be your work and activities. It all should be worship. So Jesus is not saying that activist is is not good worship and reflective is good worship. He's not talking about that. But what we do see is some insights into worship here. And and there's three things that I want to just pull out from this Bible passage that's going to help us understand worship and help us to put us in a position that we might have Jesus step in and we may encounter more of him. More of his transforming power. More of him unlocking something of God's glory into our lives. So the first thing, the first thing that, that why Jesus says Mary's got it right and not Martha is he wanted Martha to know this one important thing. It was this, is the importance of pressing the pause button. 
is he wanted Martha to pause. In your kitchen, how many time-saving devices have you got? Loads, okay. Excellent. Can detail some out to me. Call them up. Microwave? A toaster. Yeah, that's good. Huh? Dishwasher? Blender? Washing machine? Wife? I just want to point out that no wives said husbands, did they? You know, I just just point that out. You can stone them later. That's fine. <laughs> now, now, so, so there's, there's quite a lot of time-saving devices, isn't there? And if you expand that through the rest of your life, how many time-saving devices do we have in the rest of our lives? I like your phone and your sat-nav and even a car. And, and, and there is so, we have so many time-saving devices that that means that we must have a lot of spare time on our hands, mustn't we? Isn't that interesting? Is that we have all these time-saving devices, and what do we do with all this spare time? Is it just gets packed full of other things, other things that we need to do, other things that we want to do, other things that we don't want to miss. You know, the fear of missing out. Whatever that. What's a little analogy for that? Is the fear of missing out, or, or the actually? It's interesting. Over the last probably decade or two, it's also the fear of commitment. I don't want to f- commit at week in, week out to things because I may miss out on something else. And, and there's a fear of, of, I don't want to do this, I, I, I've got to balance life, and we're running in, and we're squeezing more in. And in this society that has so many time-saving devices, is we have lost the understanding of what pause means, to press the pause button. Because notice what Jesus said to Martha. He said, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. He said, you're, 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 you're so busy trying to do everything. Martha, you need to understand, this is not about an activist, because Martha would have said, I'm doing this all for you, Jesus. And Jesus is going, no, you're just worried about a lot of stuff. In verse 42, it said that Mary has chosen the right thing. The, the Greek word for chosen could also be interpreted, translated as apportioned the right thing. It's that Mary has apportioned the right thing. So, so I get from that is that Mary did do some of the basic works and goes, that's enough. Now let's pause. Because we do have a lot of things in life. I'm not saying abandon all your work or abandon your kids or abandon this, abandon that and press the pause button. The pause button is about understanding that I need to be still. We're not very good at being still. Both physically, but also mentally as well. I think some of the, the, rays of the, the rise of the, the, the pressure on mental health and stuff is because of the pressures of doing and looking right all the time. And, and we're rushing around, and, and the truth is we all know that we failed, and we all know that we don't look as pretty as we want to look. We all know that we're not as active and this and that, and we're trying to project it, and that stress of who we really are and what we project, and in our minds we are rushing around. When Jesus says, just pause... Martha, Mary did the right thing. She paused and you didn't. You're, what's happening is you're worried and upset about many things. You know, many of you are, actually, you're all here. I'm not going to say many of you are here. You're all here. Just to encourage you with that. And you're going, Mark, I'm here. I've paused. And you're going, yeah, but in your head, you're going, Mark, get to your point and finish. I need to get on. You're going, yeah, but there's that issue and there's this issue and there's that and the other. And your brain is, your body's here, but your brain is actually worried and upset about many things. Is you're still going round and round and round and round. You're looking at, have they got the lights right? Have they got this right? Have, you're just doing lots of different things. And there's a verse in the Bible that says, be still and know that I am God. 
We, we live in a society that has so much freedom. But the problem is, is so much freedom has, has taken away has taken away that necessity of stopping. It's confused us. It's overwhelmed us. Has anyone chosen a paint color recently? There are millions of paint colors. And, and do you know, do you remember the ye olde daisy when you can choose from five colors? Wasn't that a lot easier? And, and when we were choosing that color, the, the color behind the screen, that, that's like a gray. And apparently there are 75 different grays we could have chosen from. 75! And I'm, I'm not just, ask the building team, they'll know. It was 75. And we went, I don't care, just, just that one. Um, but there are, you know, do you, do you go for, for 55 or do you go for 54? Or do you go for, and you're going, I don't know. There is so much freedom to do everything as it just adds stress. And Jesus is saying, pause. Pause in your day. Pause in your week. Because worship is about stopping and going, okay, I'm just going to stop. From, it's not saying those aren't important. It's I'm going to stop. And some of us, if we want to encounter Jesus more in our worship, especially us activists, you need to pause. But actually reflective, you need to pause as well. Because sometimes quiet reflective people, they look quiet on the outside, but inside their brains are going all over the place. They're worry, 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 worry. And Jesus says, Pause. But it's just not Paul's. He says something else. Because did you notice, did you notice where Mary was? Mary wasn't just in the room. Mary was sat at Jesus' feet. Because it's not just about pausing, pausing with our heads and pausing in our time. It's also about posture. It's about that position. Have you ever had someone who's, who's like in the room but not really in the room? Have you met someone like that? Or, or they're, 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 very, they're chatting with you, but they, they're clearly, they want to they move on. Or, or you're, feeling, you're interrupting them. You know, can we quickly chat about that? And, and you're interrupting them. And, and I wonder how many times our worship is like that. Is that, you know, I'm sure Martha was busy. Well, if Jesus wanted to speak to me, he knows I'm in here. He'll just call in. Or she stands at the doorway and just goes, oh, that's interesting. Back to the potatoes. You know, but Mary had actually postured herself. It's when you're having a conversation with people. You know the people who, who give you eye contact? And they're going, oh, wow, I'm, I'm really the one you're talking to. And it, it changes something, doesn't it? Posture is really important. I was doing a bit more research on, on Hebrew words. And we've got avada, which is that, that work, worship, and service, that all-in-one. But when it comes to just specifically just worship, so not the combo job, just worship, there, there are at least nine Hebrew words for worship. At least now you can Google this. It, I, I would tell you them, but I, my Hebrew is not that good. Um, but so there's nine different ones. But I, I looked at the definition of all nine, and, and this is fascinating. Well, this, I find this fascinating anyway. Of the nine, three have to do with the voice. There, there's, there's clearly singing, okay? Singing is one, about singing a new song is, is the worship of that m- melodic voice, or almost melodic, or wannabe melodic singing, depending on wherever your skill level is. But that's a type of worship. There's also raising your voice. It's almost hailing or shouting or declaring. That's actually a way of worship, as in shout out your praise. And that's a, Hebrew, that's a separate Hebrew word. Um, so sing and shout out. And there's another one which is just to, to let it flow out, which is where you get hallelujah from it, it's, and, and hosanna from. It's just let it, let it ooze out of you. So it's not necessarily singing or shouting, but just let it shine and, and proclaim out. So, so those are three separate Hebrew words on worship. 
The, the remainder six are all physical actions. So six of the nine are physical actions. And truth is, we, we know most of them. Let me tell you some of them. Okay, one was to, to raise up hands. Okay, many of you are familiar with that in, in the Bible, raise hands to God. Uh, or maybe you're, you're new here and you're looking at people raising hands and you're going, I don't get that. Okay, what, what, when a child raises a hand to a parent, they're either saying, pick me up, or they're saying, give me, or they're saying, I'm open to you. And actually, that's why we lift up hands to God in worship. Is you're saying, God, God, I, I, I give to you. God, will you pick me up? God, will you pour something into my life? And that's actually an act of worship. There's something in that physical posture. It's we have that posture within, but the physical one, it, it's like making eye contact. And there's another, there's actually two Hebrew words for lifting hands. And I only, I only found that this out um, this week. And the other one is not just lift hands, it's lift hands and point. It's almost point to God. And I thought, that's really weird, but actually I quite like it. Because it's pointing to God. You're the one we're worshiping. God, it's you. It's you. Now, this isn't too strange. If you go to a football match, people point at things anyway, don't they? But you're, it's a physical posture. Worship is raising hands and pointing. That's two of them. Third one is there's, there's bow down. There's that physical bowing down and adoration. Remember, worship is about giving worth. So there's a Hebrew word of bowing down before God. There's a Hebrew word about clapping. About clapping. We, we, you, know, you, give, you, know, you give people a, a round of applause. Actually, give God a clap offering. That's biblical. That's a Hebrew word. Of, you know, worship is just giving thanks to God. There's also about another Hebrew word, which is strike the strings, which is, which is like playing the guitar, I'm guessing. Um, but it, it's, strike, it's playing an instrument. There's a worship that's a physical action. And then the, the, the sixth one is, is dance. And for those of you who are going, no, that's dangerous. It also can be interpreted as twist. Is that chubby checker, isn't it? Twist again? Like we did. Anyway, and Because uh, who, who wants to dance the Lord? You're going, ah, who wants to twist? And you're going, I think we all can twist, can't we? We, we can do that. But that's actually a Hebrew word for worship. Of the nine words, six are about physical posture and movement. This is really important. Because it's not just stop, okay God, do something. What it's saying is our posture matters. What does your posture in worship say? What does your posture in worship say? That bow down one, I, I probably had one of my most... Moving spiritual encounters with God in a bow down situation. It, it was very, it, I was at a, a big festival, big, big event, and I, I was speaking, but I was on stage. So the stage was bigger than this, and the band were, were, were playing, and, and I and a couple other speakers were in the far corner over there, and, and we're, we're, we're sort of worshiping, but not in the spotlight, but, and, and I just felt during the worship, God was just saying, Mark, bow down. And I'm going, I'm raising my hands, and he said, Yeah, bow down. And I'm going, Look, everyone's going to see me. And he's going, bow down. I'm going to have trouble getting up again. How many can relate to that? Okay. And he went, bow down. And I went, yeah, bow down. So I, I, I went behind the chairs. But I wasn't to you anyway, okay? I went behind the chairs and I bowed down. And, and it was like a wave of God's presence to say, well done. Because God's presence came in. Because worship isn't about just pausing or isn't about just singing the right song. That physical one is a physical expression of what's happening on the inside. 
we had a conference about three or four weeks ago, and they, they did something with your hands. I'm going to do it right now, okay? So, so if you're feeling uncomfortable with this, you don't have to do it, but I want to encourage you to try, okay? There's no twisting in this, okay? It, hold your hands out in front of you as though you're going to receive something from God. Because that, that's, that's a Hebrew word about hold your hands out. I mean, you can do up or out, but just hold it out like that. So, and it's an, I think a lot of us are probably fairly comfortable with that. You know, if I'm going to give you something, then you'll hold your hands out. I'm going to give you something. And we want to say it to God. But what the, the leader did, he said, he did something really powerful. This is the thing about posture. He said, turn your hands over, palms down. So if you do that for me, please. And he said, because so often we come to worship, we come to God with our hands full, full of stuff, full of our worries, full of our agendas, full of this and full of that. Now, now please hear me cry. We're, we're supposed to bring our prayers and requests to God. God does say, come and bring your worries, bring your concerns to me. But, but remember, worship is about giving worth to God and saying, come, come to worship with your hands empty. So say, God, I deliberately put down my agendas and my fears and my worries. I put down, you know, Martha, put down all that stuff. And now turn your hands back over again and be ready to receive. Because that's worship. Isn't that powerful? Just that, that posturing. And I thought it was so simple, but so powerful. And that's what bowing down does. That's, what, that's why worship has six words of the nine in Hebrew are actions, because it's powerful. So with our worship, we want Jesus to step in. To in we want to encounter more of him to transform our lives. It's about learning to pause, to step out of the traffic, about posturing ourselves to say, God, I, I want to hear, or maybe bow down, God. It's been God's place. And the third one is this, is to pursue Jesus, is we need to pursue. Now, I know this is a pretty obvious one, really, uh, but it's interesting that we can miss it. Have you ever done this? You're the, oh, we really need to pick up some milk. And then you go to Tesco's and you come home and you bought loads of other stuff and you go, oh, but we forgot the milk. Has that ever happened to you? Or is that just an old age thing? I've had some yeses there. Okay. I'm not sure what you're saying yes to, but, but you forget the main thing. Or how about this? You've gone to a party. Maybe it's someone's birthday or anniversary or a celebrating an achievement. And you go and you, you, you enjoy the food and the company and you chat to everybody. And it's the end of the party and you suddenly go, oh, I didn't congratulate the birthday girl. Oh, I didn't congratulate them on this. Has that ever happened to you? You're so involved with the party, you forget to actually congratulate the person who is about. I, I wonder if that's what happens in worship. See, Martha, Martha had Jesus in her house and she missed him. We come to worship. Jesus says, if two or three gather in my name, I am there. There's more than two or three here. Jesus says, I am here in this place. And yet we could be so focused on the music and on the songs and on the keys they do and was the drummer in time and, and, and the light's too bright and, and is it temperature here and, and, and oh, I must speak to so-and-so. And we can and, and go for the feeling and the emotion. Am I feeling it? Am I not feeling it? And, and what we do is we, we go all around, but we miss, yeah, but... Jesus is the one who transforms things. See, Jesus is the one who saves. Jesus is the one who heals. Jesus is the one who forgives. Jesus is the one who welcomes. Jesus is the one who comforts. That's who we're giving worth to. The one who 
changes everything. See, the heart of worship is Jesus, not us. And when we come to worship and we pause and we posture and we pursue him, worship unlocks Jesus to step into our lives. If you want more of Jesus into your life, pause, posture, and pursue. And what happens? Well, Jesus can do what he wants. But we're just opening up the door for that.